Great to have you here. I had decided I wanted to get into events. Don't rush into anything. Left university and pretty much went straight into it. It's just got to happen. So do what you need to to make it happen. I've, I've never been one to follow rules. We've spent a lot of time together, haven't <laughs> yes, we? Yes, we have. Always keeping up with trends and fads. How do you manage that, the expectations versus the reality of budgeting? It's always insightful to get a gauge as to what their, their reference point is with budget. Pre-COVID, I didn't know what Zoom was. You know, everything is done to a higher level. That detail Jeremy and the band and the guys will go into, by definition, makes our life easier. There's levels and levels, and that comes in the detail. Welcome back to season two of The Secret World of Events. And today's episode is one I've been looking for since the very first episode of season one. I'm delighted to say I have with me Jamie Simon. Jamie is the head of events at and a director of Banana Split. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Jamie. Yes, sir. I was never doing The Secret World of Events without having Banana Split. <laughs> You've been referenced in pretty much every single show we've done. I know. And I've watched the first season, I think, all apart from maybe one or two episodes, at some point in time, I've worked with one or one or more of those people. Well, I was going to say, um, you have been, Banana Split as a company, have been the training ground for so many people. But before we get into that, why don't yeah. you just, uh, to the audience, just introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jamie. I am director and head of events at Banana Split and have been in this crazy world of events for nearly 27 years. Well, I'm not that old. So it's amazing. I mean, 27 years. So when we, when anybody, uh, certainly on the UK scene and probably actually worldwide, because everybody seems to know Banana Split. It's almost like the granddaddy of the event space. And you've been there for how long now? I think about 12, 13 years. So COVID kind of messes things up about, but about 13 years. I joined Julian, yeah. Now, in previous episodes, we've actually found out a little bit about your history. You yeah. started at Mobsters. I didn't. I started before Mobsters. So my very, very first party was at a place called the G-Spot in Golders Green with uh, with Mark Glassman. And we made, uh, I put on a, an under, under-18s rave, for want of a better word. And that's that was my my first touch in, in events. What drew you to the, the sort of events world? Did you start with DJing? Is that I DJ, you- I started DJing. Um, so I was at Mill Hill School and there was a thing called Vision Nightclub that anyone of that era of the 90s will remember. Um, and I remember going to Loppy Lugs and buying some vinyl, uh, Happy Hardcore, something that was absolutely awful, um, and putting it on someone's decks and then bought myself some decks. And then, yeah, ultimately I ended up um, with Darren and Bradley at, at Mobsters. Wow. I mean, so Mobsters obviously was a great uh, yep. training ground as well for, for everybody in the events world. But I mean, myself, even in the mid 80s, yep. I, I was a banana split Absolutely. DJ. I mean, back in the day, if I think about business models, what uh, and Julian yep. uh, Posner, who uh, the owner and founder of, of Banana Split, he basically scooped up all the local DJs, took out all the competition you don't need to do that. Come and work for me. I'll give you all the equipment. You can have an account at Loppy Lugs, Lugs yep. and Stephen Seeger Records in Edgware and and you're off and running. And, yep. and uh, great days, fond memories. Absolutely. So I always knew of Banana Split. It was always the, the you know, the the master of the universe at the top. And they were always known as the big jobs and booking Michael Jackson and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in the nineties, but for whatever reason, I just, I never, I never mobsters was our, our own little, our own little clan. Um, and a group of guys that we were all of the same, you know, all of our peers, we used to hang out in the little shop in Edgware and, and run off on a Saturday or Sunday evening to some okay hotel in town to do bar and, 
or basically it was all bar mitzvahs then. Yeah. Tell me where did, I know obviously yeah. you, you weren't around at the time the Banana Split was, was conceived, but yep. where does the name Banana Split come from? So the story goes from uh, Julian when he very start his first job or, or second job is on the phone to a client and the client said, um, what you called? And in front of him was a bowl of bananas and that literally came to there, saw the bowl of bananas and said, uh, banana split um and that was the beginning and the end of 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 uh of the name it's amazing isn't it because when you think about you know global companies who come up with strange sounding yep. that i mean banana split and it has stuck and the logo hasn't changed much over the years nope. but it's certainly become a little bit sort of more modern with its iteration but the name has stuck never changed and it's now synonymous with being a sort of you know a global leader yep. in the event space so the the thing for me is when you look at all of these names, uh, Google and Meta and all this kind of, you know, people are searching for, for names that people remember. This one does. And I think, you know, seven or eight years ago, we did a really amazing party in, in Newcastle, 18th birthday party, um, and said to the client, how did you hear from us? She said, oh, 15 years ago, I had a home in the south of France and I saw some of your vans around and I saw the name on the side and put just stuck in my mind. So it's just, it's got some magnetism to it. And yeah. I think it stands in its own right when I know there's a million event companies names and they've all seemed to have some food in them some way, way, shape or form, yeah. but um, it sticks and people remember it. And um, well, thankfully they do. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Julian and yourself and, and the entire team. You've been around for a very, very long time. You've been at the very top of the tree for a very, very long time. What does it take to sort of, you know, stay up there? Business is nearly 50 years old. Um, Incredible. Julian. Um, and I think our two sort of reasons of success is one is we have the most amazing team. We have a group of people that care so much. They are professional. They um, have a passion for what they do. We They go over and above all of the time. Um and that's, I think, would look reflective through the whole the whole history of the company um, under Julian's leadership, who you know, drives that passion in us. Yeah. And we have a unrelenting wavering for quality in what we do. Um, it has to be the best of the offering. I mean, it's not even exceeding expectations. It goes further than that, doesn't yeah, it? It's, it's about finding every single corner and every single angle of the event and make sure it's executed excellently. And that's on the night. And it's also from the second the phone rings from the client, how we um, hopefully interact with our clients, communicate with our clients, present to our clients. Um, everything that we do, we try to be the best. So um, our business cards are particularly thick. Our stationery is heavyweight. By the way, it's that's been the case since the mid eighties yeah. when when I uh, used to do some occasional work for Benai. Julian has always, and as a company, you've always had this like luxury feel. It's always been very top tier. And you're right, down to the cards and the stationery. Yeah, it's it's in everything that we do. You know, we want to buy um the best equipment to do the job. Um, we want our vans to be shiny and clean. We uniform our team so we look presentable. You know, every touch point. Um, my view is, you know, now is trying to uh, be a guardian of the brand and make sure that we carry on. You know, we are, we're a Bond Street brand. That's how we try to represent ourselves, even if our office is in the not so glamorous Collindale. No, but can I just say, I notice it's always been London. 
It doesn't yes. say Collingdale. <laughs> it, says, um, it says London. Um, from London around the world. But yeah, we just, we are really, really, we're, we're so passionate. Um, we want to create, you know, we have this uh, world's best parties. That's that's what we do. We are a, a party business. Um, we are in the business well, of helping people dreams, celebrate. You're selling dreams, are We're in the business of helping people celebrate. And it's a really lovely time to be in people's lives for. And from that, we have some offshoots and some different bits and pieces that we do. Yeah. What What's your day-to-day role? Um, my day-to-day role is I'm really fortunate to work um, in a great office with a team of, of great people. Um, we've got amazing event planners, production people, the team in the warehouse, finance, you know, all of the support across everything, just great people. My job is to make sure that we are um, looking after our clients, um, producing the best events, and hopefully have a, a happy, functioning team does that mean on a day-to-day basis you're personally taking care of handling you know specific events for specific clients as well yeah so i I definitely have my own clients um and i work with with our uh with our planners um on the delivery of those events i am very hands-on i um i love i still i love the passion is coming up with cool ideas to make great parties that's that's kind of the base so one of the thing you mentioned uh, about seven minutes ago, yeah. you you uttered the words Michael Jackson, yeah. and I, I know all about that sort of scenario. But I think going back in the day, and I know you specifically, you know, we definitely can't mention clients, and there's right. all sort of confidentiality clauses. But give our viewers and our listeners a little flavour, perhaps, of some of the places you've worked in, some of the entertainment you've had to book, um, to just to show the scale of some of the stuff you do and how how exciting so- it can be. In, in my tenure at the business, I have been um, in Central America. I've been on the West Coast of, of the US, um, worked in New York, across Europe, London, Paris, south of France. And bearing Madrid. in mind, in all these places, there are very talented planners. Yeah. yeah. So, so they take banana split and say, can you come to Mexico? Absolutely. So I think there's two scenarios. One is we travel with our clients from London. So... Um, a family that we may have uh, done a, a wedding for in London want to celebrate a big birthday and that's going to be in the south of France. Well, we have the relationship, so we go with them to France and we've got a, a small sort of setup and a base in the south of France to kind of to work um, Europe from. Um, and then the other scenario is we have clients that have been guests of our party just by the very nature of the people that we work for. They've got very international friends and colleagues and business acquaintances. They come to our parties, they love what they see, and they invite us to go um, with them. And so we've had a client who's lived in London at some point but lives somewhere else in Europe yeah. ask us to do a party somewhere else in Europe who then has a guest from, I don't know, the Middle East who was at the party who then says, ah, it's my birthday. Will you come to wherever it might be yeah, and do yeah. the party Abu Dhabi there? or somewhere, yeah. Exactly, yeah. wherever it might. Um, and I love, I, it's really, really interesting to work in different cultures with different people. Um, well, we're going to dive yeah. into that because it, it fascinates me. So we've all done plenty of jobs abroad. Um, I think we've referenced in previous shows, you know, if the viewers knew what went on behind the scenes and the logistics of what goes on, it's, it's, it's not all glamour. It's far from glamour. But tell me, you know, the shift that goes into sort of organising a destination event on such scale, yeah. because you just don't do things by halves. No. Um, so the biggest thing is, and it's it slightly changed as Brexit's come in and the world's kind of changed, but um, we like to travel um, with our people and with our kits, kit, um, scenic, 
florists suppliers so, yeah suppliers so we're really delivering the banana split experience whether that's on a beach in the indian ocean um on you know a five-star resort in mexico whatever it might be it's it's the banana split experience that we bring with so um on a recent project um the event what you also, what yep. you see from a guest point of view fantastic but the bit behind the scenes that really blows me away so um our logistics spreadsheet was probably the size of the wall behind you um we are organizing flights and accommodation for you know hundreds of people well it's flights accommodation taxes meals feeding people feeding i mean feeding if you're people. feeding a crew of it could be 100 or 200 yeah. people working on an event to build something you've got to feed them three meals a day three meals a day more sometimes four meals a day because people work 18 20 hour days um you know at, at the peaks of you things. may have had to build a marquee just to house the food tents marquees furniture chairs for feeding staff and then um as i mentioned before uniforms uniforming staff so if you are a uh lighting guy what you're wearing during the day when you're putting the job in, what you're wearing at the night when the event's happening. Um, that's a massive part of communications as well. How we're talking to each other, WhatsApp is a godsend, radios, uh, mobile phones. Um, yeah, just, is there enough capacity for logistics kind of are giant, aren't they? Yeah, it's just massive. And then post-Brexit now, um, carnets, so import, export, international VAT, do you, I mean, do you have people that specifically just... deal with that or do you, do you have to bring in sort of external? Because I know things like carnets, they're difficult things to yep. to do and get done. It's time consuming. How, how do you sort so of handle So we try things? to become the master of our own destiny. So we really believe in skilling our team to be able to cover these things. Um, we like to rely on ourselves as much as possible. But yes, of course, you know, on large jobs, we work with um, the kind of suppliers that do you know, world music tours and are taking the Rolling Stones around the world because, because they know what they're doing. There's a skill set to do that. And um, we have, I, I have this expression, Saturday, seven o'clock, the doors open. We're always working to a very, very definite deadline. So we need to remove as much of the unknown and as the unpredictability as is possible to make sure that we deliver yeah. every single time as expected. Now, plenty of the guests I've had on over two seasons have obviously created some incredible events uh, and have sort of, you know, I've asked them to yep. name drop, uh, not their clients, but maybe some of the, the things that they've seen that have just blown them away. Yep. We're all in a very fortunate position where we get to work with, uh, you know, top planners like yep. yourselves. For you, what has blown you away in terms of some of the acts or star performers that you've so, seen, you've booked for, for, for events? I, so fortunately, we've booked some, you know, the best singers, performers, bands on around the, planet. the world. On the planet, some some amazing people. Um, I actually find the sound check to be like, I call it the privilege, you know, to sit there with a A-class world talent yeah. during the sound check. Um, yeah. Come on, Jamie, name one. I'm, I'm not... Couldn't name one? Just, just the top in the world. Have you ever worked with Beyonce? I haven't worked with Beyonce. No, okay. haven't, haven't, haven't quite got there. Michael Bublé. I have worked with Michael Bublé. So that's actually the soundtrack. Rod was, Stewart. Uh, yes, we've worked with Rod okay. Stewart. Um, but all of these people, interestingly enough, we we would encourage a client to think about the songs of a performer, yeah. the necessarily who it is, who's going to sustain your crowd 45 minutes an hour. So Elton John, who've, who've had the privilege of putting on stage a number of occasions, everybody knows his songs. You've got Sing Along for six. But it's hard years. maybe to pick seven songs from Elton John yeah, and but say... He knows, he yeah. knows. And he's very, very accommodating. The client would be like, I would like this, I would like that. And 
for me, that's that's a real privilege, and it's those short moments of, um, you know, meeting the talent at a lift and, and walking them over to a stage, or to make sure the green room's set up properly, or when we get um, feedback from the management of, oh, we weren't sure about the job, but then we heard it was Banana Split producing it. We were super super cool. Um, I, I have there was a great occasion. We were driving down the Finchy Road with with um, David Godfrey, who's our director of production, um, and the phone rang from an all-time great. Hi, David. I'm so pleased we're working together. You make sure you have the right microphone for me. How amazing! And is that, that was like wow. And um, that's why I really think we 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 try to operate at the top, and we it's as important for us to be um, pleasing our suppliers, the talent that we work with, the venues that we work with, as it is the client, because we, we love those relationships. With a competitive market as it is out there yep. amongst the planning community, you've always stayed a step ahead. You've always been very much the top of the tree. How do you sort of maintain that passion and drive to, to keep that going? Great people and try to keep them motivated. Um, I think it's as competitive as it ever has been because the barriers to entry into the events is very, very low. Um, but to consistently repeat and deliver time after time after time, whether that is for a dinner party for 12 people um, as a small family celebration or a business celebration up to um, 2000 people in Las Vegas for a new year's Eve party. You know, you've just got to be on the top of your game all the time. Um, And that's what we do. We have a massive passion for what we do. And I think we have a, for me, I feel like I'm a, a, guardian of this this great thing that must continue um i was massively attracted to come to banana split because banana split was doing special events before the word special events well i was going to say when you're buying banana split in as your planner you're buying 50 years of experience of know-how as you just mentioned with the phone call to david godfrey the reputation to anybody you want to work with precedes you 100% and it opens doors for our clients to achieve things that are otherwise very, very difficult. I don't believe there's, you know, only we can do it, but we make stuff happen repeatedly and regularly. Um, Well, I would imagine if someone says to you, I want to book Duran Duran, you go, yeah, no problem because we've got a Rolodex. We know who to call. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, now celebrity is such a thing and everybody wants to buy into celebrity. Buying acts for private events is difficult because the acts don't want to do it. They make a huge amount of money for touring. So you need to not only come up with you know the financial yeah. offer you need to create a situation around it that the band knows that they're going to be well looked after um the production requirements are going to be fulfilled there's no messing around with what flight they are what hotel they're staying in that the rider in the green room is there etc cetera, etc cetera. um and we look at them as peers right they need us as much as we need them yeah um for you know mutual benefit yeah i want to talk to you about a really strange subject budgets yes because um, I would imagine at the level of work you do, the budget's obviously going to be healthy. But is that a consideration, you know, pu- putting budget schedules together for these type of events? And let's be clear, you absolutely do across the board. There's no there's no lower limit on budget. There's, no, there's you, no minimum spend. You don't do, do minimum spend. Yeah. You you take on everybody. Yep. If people want to work with banana splits, you'll work with them. Yep. But when you're putting, you know, budgets together for some of these like, like you know, super events, because I think perhaps today for our audience, we'll focus more on the aspirational stuff. You obviously have a template to start. How do you ascertain where a client so, is budget wise? Irrelevant of the size of the job. 
we're trying to drive his value. That's what we want. Whatever, every pound that is spent or dollar or euro, whatever it is, we need to maximize that, that we're getting the ultimate bang for the buck. So are there ways to be smart with how we spend our budget? Uh, we want to put the budget into the bits that count the most. So I always remember from back in the day when I used to go to the mitzvahs, there was always this, you'd walk into the venue and there'd be this amazing setup around the front door. And then you'd walk into the main room and, gone. and the team would drop off. So I will always encourage clients to um, invest the budget where you spend the most amount of time. So the stage, the dance floor, the bar, um, rather than having this amazing entrance that you walk past. Um, so that's really where we're, we're trying to drive value. So every pound spent gives the most amount of impact. Um, we are re we drive everybody so hard. But is there a template as such? No, not really, because um, I always come to the, you know, the make the comparison of you can buy a very nice Volkswagen Golf and you can buy a Rolls Royce. Both will get you from A to B. It's just the way that you choose to travel there. Um, and that's, that's the bit that we've got to find work with the client. Like where, where should the money be spent? Understand to get the, the client of, needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a team, where do you find your creativity from 50 years of history and you're always having to, uh, you know, on a monthly basis, you know, not reinvent the wheel, no. but come up creatively. How, how do you succeed with that so as a team? The best parties are those that reflect the host, hostess, the birthday boy, the birthday girl. So that's where we start. Um, trying to understand um, what they love, what makes them smile, musics they love, restaurants they love to eat in, hotels they like to stay in, countries they like to visit, um, what makes them laugh with their friend, favourite cocktail, just to kind of build up a picture. I'm, I'm, I can hear myself saying what many others have said, but I think what we all do is so personal to the client. Um, I say to every client, it's your party, it's not my party. I am here to, you know, guide you in the right direction to make sure everything that works. But if you like that hue of pink over that one, then that's the right hue of pink. But really we start from there um, and then we go through creative process. So whether that's um, led by entertainment first or led by color scheme, um, a style, a theme, build up some mood boards. We're really into space planning. Um, I think the bit that we do exceptionally well is make spaces work really well for parties. We're always thinking from the beginning, how did the service staff access it? Is the bar big enough to serve that amount of guests? Is the dance floor the right size? Is it too big? Is it too small? Um, to really make the space work, work really, really well. And again, that's an experiencing that comes in um, where we looked at that collectively as a team. Uh, we'll produce a presentation that could be three pages. It could be 30 pages drawings mood boards sketches um 2d drawings 3d renders artists impressions um whatever we need to kind of help get the client to the vision and we will reiterate that as many times as is, is necessary to to get there so we've gone um with clients especially more with like bar bat mitzvah because over that 18 months of planning kids grow up really, really quickly and things change. Absolutely. Had a client yeah. call this morning. We were going one way and now three months later, the daughter's maturing. And yeah. that's not, that's not cool anymore. Um, so we've been things before they go back on the shelf. Maybe we'll bring them out later. Maybe they'll never be seen again. Um, and just keep working till we get to the right place. 
then we try to lock in the creative and then we'll work on budgets, um, proposals, costings. So we know the context that we're working in. And then sometimes you need to reevaluate things. Doing a huge 360 video thing is really expensive. It was a great idea at the beginning. Yeah. But when you consider everything else, um, it's not so important. Um, we definitely load into food and beverages Everything. So important. So important. Um, but you're, you're very much about detail as well, aren't you? You know, I have seen you walk around events. I mean, we're at an event yep. uh, this weekend, and I've seen you walk around the event, and you will sh- you will st- straighten a chair. Yeah. You If something doesn't look right to your eye, it might be the cutlery on the table. You are organising and, and making sure every detail is, yeah. is nailed down. Um, I've been on a beach with a measuring tape to make sure the tables are the right space apart. It's, it's just all those things add up to creating something that's that's fantastic and you can't neglect anything. I will repeatedly on the day start at the front door and walk through, walk through the event, trying to catch anything that we can do better and better and better. Um, and as a team, we look to that. So the guys on the ground that we work with, um, they expect me at some point to say, I can see a cable, the draping's not correct. Can we put some more uplighters in here? We need more candles, you know, whatever it might be. And that's from the top down. You know, Julian has taught me that's 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 how we go and we try to you know implore implore that on on everybody yeah. that works with us and for us speaking of uh, the guru that is julian posner is he still very active within the business massively, on a day-to-day business massively so massively so um we are very fortunate the telephone rings because julian has repeatedly delivered amazing events for people for years and years and years um and We'll sit with clients hand in hand, tastings, choosing wines, making sure the entertainment's right, goes through the timings. He has a relentless passion for it and cares so much. We sweat the detail so much. And the other thing that we do is we are so self-critical. We will sit down Monday morning, Tuesday morning after an event and tear it apart. The stuff that nobody would see ever from a million miles away will tear it apart. What can we do better? How did the client perceive our role in it? Was this right? Was the money well spent on that? Did that supplier deliver what they were supposed to deliver? Because we just want to be better and better um, and stay one step ahead of everybody that's that's chomping at chomping at the bit. At which they always are. Which they always are. And yeah. I, I really enjoy that. And um, Well, that pushes you forward. If there's good competition definitely. and people are pushing you forward, then yeah, because uh, people come to Banana Split because there is an expectation. It, you made the analogy of the Volkswagen and the Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. They're coming to you because you are a Rolls Royce. We wouldn't call ourselves a Rolls Royce. We tried to picture ourselves. Are you a, a Bugatti? Bit... No, no. We... we um, Julian likes to call us Mercedes um, because there's a nice wide range of cars that they sell. Um, we like to reference Porsche as a brand is something that we really, not the cars, but you know, yeah. yes, we love the cars, yeah. but we think as a brand, um, that Sleek, cross between, dynamic. Well, it's very, sporty. very professional, but yeah. there's this heritage and there's a lot of passion inside that goes there. You know, they're not just making four by fours. They're making cars that make people smile. And that's the kind of sort of the balance that, that we try. So um, yeah, we, I'd say, he he really cares. That pushes down the thing and it just makes that everything that we do is there. You mentioned something earlier and it's something that I can definitely reference back to because the consistency of your team, uh, you know, we come together for jobs and I will see the same faces decades in. Mm-hmm. You know, if I look at, for example, some of your um, more skilled yeah. warehouse people, the Scots. So, of this, so, I mean, I want to mention yeah, yeah, a no, shout I, out I was to about Scott. to say, like, Scott um, is our our, uh, lighting designer, lighting operator. He joined the business long before me as an apprentice. Um, 
I undoubtedly think he's one of the best lighting designers operators in the world of what we do. Yeah. So it's a very unique situation to turn a ballroom at the Dorchester or wherever it might be into a nightclub and it be for dinner and then be crazy party and Israeli dancing and everything else that goes it. He knows his craft so well and has built a toolbox that we have of amazing lighting inventory to do that. Um, Greg, who's been with the business I mean, Greg, for over 25 legend. years. The legend. guy is a legend. He, um, he just knows what it takes to make it happen. And he's like rock solid, reliable. And these are the people that the guests and no one, the, the, the unseen, but it's team, so, isn't but, it? So That's... Greg, yeah, team, team. But Greg, Greg is known. Greg is known. Yeah. You know, Greg, when we build a marquee in somebody's home and we've sometimes been fortunate to go back to the same home um, for the same family many times, or funny enough, sometimes the same home with a new owner. And we've, we, we know the house sometimes yeah. more intimately than they might do because people have been there. Um, He's the first guy on site. He's there every day when um client comes out and has a panic because they don't think the marquee looks right or whatever it might be. Yeah. He's there to reassure them. Um, so, yeah, rock solid. Um, but what I think this all says for me, it all says so much about uh, Banana Split, the brand, and more importantly, Julian. Because to retain staff of that quality for the longevity yeah, yeah. that he has just says that as a team, everybody's looked after. Everybody works hard for the same yeah. cause. Um it's been instilled with me that we care about our people a lot. Um, we go, I hope, and I hope the team would, would, you know, above and beyond to make sure people have the best tools to do, to do their work. Um, a lovely office to work from. Um, we ask a huge amount from our team. They work so, so, so hard. You know, the hours that they've put in just this year um, is over and above, but that's take deliver. But hopefully we look after people and we want people to be with us for their careers. You know, we offer people a, a career. It's not a job. Some people come and go, of course they do with every business, but you know, the core of, of our people have, have been in um, some of the girls been away to have babies, come back, go away to have babies, come back. Um, you know, we try to adapt and be a, a functioning modern workplace. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's a family. We're family and we, we really care for each other and we want to be there for each other. We support each other. We know when we, of course, we scream and shout at each other. It's all part of That's it. That's part of being um, a family. But we know how, you know, we know where people need support and where people need pushing. Um, and funny enough, the biggest challenge for us is now is is getting more of the right people. Well, I was that same. was going to be my next question. I've got a couple of questions yeah. coming up, but... What is the biggest challenge that Banana Split face currently? So great people. Um, when I, you know, go back to the mobsters days, I don't know, him sitting in there and all the others, you know, there yep. were half a dozen, eight of us that everyone wanted to be in events. Everybody By the way, just to, to clarify, so, there's James who's sitting in the control room <laughs> who runs our studio here, which is Launchpod Studios, uh, where we do all our podcasts from. James was a mobsters yep. uh, DJ. At, at, uh, uh, back, so there was, there was a thing where, you know, uh, and I know I've heard from you speaking earlier podcasts, you know, there were people that used to DJ and it, it was, it was a thing. It was a job between 16 and 21. You DJ, you done your, your weekend Absolutely. money. Brilliant. Um, I think that's getting, that's not happening as much. Um, so there's a less local fresh blood coming through, which is um, a challenge in its own right. There's so attracting also, staff. Attracting is... staff. Also, there's so many event companies and there's so yeah. many people offering so much. Um, and where events used to be the cool thing to do, now people want to do social media and content creation and stuff like that, which yeah. is um, maybe a little bit more sociable on the sociable hours. So yeah, finding great people that can stick at it that are, have a balance between being creative, administrative, professional, 
um, and just relentless. That's it must a- also be difficult because I've thought about this on numerous occasions. When you're a good company and you're good at what you do and people want to work for you, you're also breeding your competition as well. In a, in a, you become a stable yeah, yeah, yeah. to create competitors. Is there something you think about when you're staffing? Is it something you think about? What no, I, doing- I, I just think um, some people do get upset about upset by that, but I think it's just the nature of the beast. Um, so we live in a world of entrepreneurialism and everyone's encouraged to start a business and, and, and that's great. And for some people, that's the right thing to do. Some people do it as a lifestyle choice. Um, we can't not bring people in because of the risk of what they may or may not do yeah. one day. Um, what would you say to a youngster who was perhaps looking to get in, in, into events? How would you, what would you advise them on doing? I think it's, it's not a glamorous business. There is a lot of glamour to it. Well, the front of house is glamour. Uh, it is, but I, um, I've just come off a weekend where I worked on Friday evening and yes. Saturday evening and Sunday evening. I didn't get to spend much time with my kids and balancing life and, and work is there, but that's, I have a responsibility, so that's fine. But um, that's difficult for people to get to finding the mix between, as I say, having the creativity, having the professionalism, having the drive and the determination um, to get there. It's quite a, quite a hard combination people to sort of, to get to. I had a youngster, um, we do a lot of guidance for, mm-hmm. for youngsters yep. because we're in the, in the community and, and people want to know how their kids can, can yeah, start. Yeah. And I had a, a, a young chap of 17 who said to me that he's facing the dilemma. Parents want him to go to university. He very much thinks he's not cut out for university, yep. but wanted to go into event planning. Yep. And he didn't know whether to go to university to do a degree because he thought that's the right route yep. or whether experience counts for everything. And really on the job would, what would you advise for well, that, James? I have a BA ons in event management. So I'm probably from Leeds and that I was at school when I saw that as a degree and I knew I wanted to do events. So I went to do it. There were some great learnings in there. Um, you learn on the job. This you is do job. learn. You on learn the, I mean, this the is a job where you learn. Right? And the bit for me is dealing with people. So making clients feel comfortable and heard and listen to um, working with suppliers to get out of them what you need. Negotiation. We wear so many hats. You know, I, uh, I'm an accountant, a solicitor, an architect, um, a DJ. Because you have to look through contracts. You have to do, yeah, yeah. I mean, full on budget schedules on a massive scale. It's interesting, just coming back to one of the points you just said about how hard it is to attract good staff. And if it's just sort of dawned yeah. on me, there's probably a very big reason why people of your age and maybe my age are in this business. Because at some point, we perhaps all started as DJs, you need a bit of confidence, yeah. you're going to speak, you're going to stand in front of a crowd, and you are a people person. And the problem perhaps these days, and maybe I'm just saying yeah. it out loud, is all the children today, all the youngs, all the young people, are very much more non-verbal communication, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of typing, texting, and probably one of the biggest skill sets that they miss out on is kind of that people-person interaction. And may- maybe that's why. No, I think the confidence of DJing and being have, holding a microphone and, and, and doing all of that opens up the world massively. And I didn't realise it until I got to university. And, you know, like, realize you week, had an edge. like, do a presentation. And everyone else is, like, sat there. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, get the PowerPoint out. Let's go. Not what, a thing. What I want to ask you a couple of questions because there's so much to get through, Jamie. I could yeah. literally do a whole day with you. Um, adversity. Uh, you know, how do you deal with adversity in an event when you've been in a really difficult situation? You've worked out how to get yourself through that situation. So there's one thing is like personally dealing with stress. Um, I just happen to be wired in a way that I'm quite good at dealing with stress to a point. But um, I try to. You've got to keep a very, very cool, calm head. Two things you don't want to 
I don't want to happen is one is I don't want to see my team. I don't want my team to see me stressing. And two, I don't want to see the client. The client has not invested a huge amount of time, effort, money into their event to see the event planner sweating, running around like a blue ass fly. Um, so dig into experience, sit down with the team, work out what's the challenge and work our way around it. Um, and then there's a little bit of banana split magic in there as well, because I always say the sun shines on Carlisle Road, which is where our office is yeah. and experience, determination, know-how, the sheer drive to get the job done. We get the job done. Is there a, um, an example you can give me of when a client would never have known, but something in the background, you know, I mean, we've all talked before about generators going, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, but is there an, an experience that you could possibly share where it would be a great example to say how you dealt with a certain scenario? Fortunately, they don't tend to present themselves like at the event. Um, we, we're really thorough in our preparation and in our, you know, backups and, and covering things and have learned lessons, you know, from many years in the past of what to do and what not to do. Uh, it tends to come in things where somebody else hasn't communicated something as they should have done. So um, we are very, very thorough in the information that we share with a venue, with supplier, you know, no, no hidden surprise, no surprises. Yeah. We don't do surprises. Um, but sometimes that doesn't mean that the information has been shared on the other end as well. Um, so you'll have a banqueting manager that maybe hasn't communicated to the general manager of the hotel that he's asked that we've got a contract for an extended license to four o'clock in the morning. And the general manager says, we don't do that. And I say, well, we have a contract to do that. And that was signed in good faith. We need to fulfill that. Um, and we'll sit down with the hotel manager, the general manager and work out a plan to ensure the client gets what they want to get. And it might mean, guests can't go out that door, they have to go out that door or um, we need to take out four hotel rooms above the ballroom because that was a noise, whatever it might be. But the client doesn't know about it. The client gets what they get, what, about what they ask for. What about event anxiety? Is that Ooh, something you suffer from? So I believe, I tell everyone, if the second you're not paranoid about our job, this is the second you're going to make a mistake. So um, I do sleep, um, but I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'll send myself a WhatsApp to remind myself, have I got something covered? Um, yeah, I do believe that when you get complacent mistakes start to come into. So we've created systems and processes to try and make sure that we know what's going on. We sit, um, many times prior to the event, but the week early in the week prior to the event, the team operating the event sit, go through everything. We'll take the proposal out. We have, um, what we call a function sheet, which is, pages and pages and pages of every single detail. We will go through everything. We'll question everything. Um, and then we'll adjust. If we think that there's a, a pain point, we'll adjust. And sometimes um, that costs us time. It often costs us money. We'll, we'll, we must deliver the best event. And if that means um, that comes from our pocket, then so be so it. Be it. Uh, if we need to put more kit on the event, so be it. And that is a benefit of us being self-reliant and we've got that's right because you do own a warehouse full of equipment the don't you? amazing sound and lighting equipment um and where where that stops for us we have amazing suppliers that are partners they're not just a supplier at the end yeah. of the phone um and that's how we work together yeah. to make sure that i want to tell you a little story jamie yes, um one actually i've never shared with anybody but yeah. the longest ever event anxiety was on a job that i did for banana split a number of years ago it was six months of event anxiety because uh, you flew me out to Mexico yes. to put up some time-lapse cameras oh, okay, in the middle okay. of nowhere, in, yes. the, in a desert. Yes. 
at, to leave them there for yes. six months yes. to capture uh, some build. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be exaggerating at six. It might have been like four. But it was roasting hot yep. and I had to leave these cameras on top of big, tall poles, up yeah, big yeah, yeah. ladders to hope that they didn't melt. Yep. And it was only, and I didn't attend, I didn't go to the job, but the cameras were brought back to London after to get the footage off and it all worked. It did work. It did and work. I had months and months of stress thinking, God, I never know you if, did that. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. If yeah. they stopped on day one, yep. that was the whole thing gone. No. And you couldn't go back and check them. No, they no, were no. in Mexico. Yep. Um, that Sick. was an amazing job. Yeah. And yeah, I'm pleased that's captured. But um, yeah, sometimes yeah. things are, some, often things are outside our control. Um, we have, uh, I mean, we did a really, really cool 21st birthday party. And as a birthday present to his daughter, we booked um, artist, really, really cool current artist. She was on stage at Glastonbury that afternoon. We arranged a helicopter to get her into Battersea and then a car over to the venue. But who was to say that she wasn't having too much fun and, didn't jump on the helicopter or, you know, that's the things that stresses us, things that are outside our control, logistics, flights, people moving around because a lot of things work outside yeah. of our, our control. I've been fortunate enough also to be guests at um, events that Banana Splits mm -hmm. upon, which is actually a privilege as well. First of all, because you obviously know you're in for an incredible weekend and I'll refer great back wine. to... Always well, great wine. Always great wine. But <laughs> I'll refer back to a 40th birthday party that you did for a very good friend of mine, um, probably about 14 years ago now, okay. where even as somebody who works inside the event space uh, and has been around all of these uh, you know, incredible events... I sat there on a Friday night dinner to see up from the middle of a stage, Billy Joel. Billy Joel appeared at a 40th birthday party. Yep. To say it was unbelievable was as a guest experience. Yep. But of course, I, you know, I work inside events and I'd seen a lot. It was incredible. To top it off the next day, Duran Duran, and we're all people of a certain age, mm -hmm. you know, Duran Duran. If you've got 200 people with Duran Duran music of your Music of your youth, always the best way and, for a party. And that for me, I mean, the hairs on my arms are good. Yeah. Right now, the hairs on my arms, because it was that kind of spectacular. The experience you give the guests is literally second to none. So unfortunately, I know the, I know the event before yeah. my time, um, but what's really important is we don't save that for the people with the biggest checkbooks. Everybody gets that. That is, you know, our, our view on, on everything. If it's um, your, we do a lot of kids' birthday parties, three-year-old, yeah. four-year-old, we want to give that experience their um, 18th birthday party, bar, bat mitzvah, wedding, 50th, 60th, 25th wedding anniversary, whatever it is, we want to bring that experience to it. And often it means that the smaller jobs have more time and effort because you need to create, with less, you need to create more. Um, you know, less people, smaller space. Um, but we try to distill that feeling that you had into everything that we do. We want people to leave just um, with a big smile on their face. I, I say, to, my question is, have you had fun? Have you had fun? That's what we're about. You know, make people smile. We don't take ourselves seriously. And, you know, we take ourselves very seriously on one side, but on the other side, we want people to have fun. It's the party business celebration um, and making memories for a lifetime. You've got, hairs jumping up and yes i've got memories for a lifetime we can't um claim that you know billy joel's amazing back catalogue of songs did that but everything that surrounded that helped make that happen come if he on, on he came up from the middle of that's a stage what I'm saying. On, if a, it was a, on a floating if it was stage a little, from a piano it was if it was a little but it, once he's there he's singing but the, everything that surrounded it, you had an amazing evening you were with your best friends i am sure the food yeah. was amazing it the was white, incredible the service everything else that went around that how you got to the venue how you got home from the venue 
the invitation. No, we actually you know, all stayed at the venue. You stayed, oh, you you stayed, bought you out stayed the venue. Venue. But like everything that, that comes around that is really important. So touch points, what am I experiencing? What do I see? What do I smell? What do I touch? What do I well, taste? Well, I'll talk about another interesting thing. The first time I'd ever seen it at that party, you did a kabuki drop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just that to... That always causes anxiety. Just, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so just to explain to all the viewers, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on, on Spotify or any of your other podcast destinations, imagine being, you go into a room and it's amazing and it's fantastic and you're thinking, this is beautiful, it's incredible. And then all of a sudden, at the end of this sort of reception section... A 360 video played on on what was basically looked like screens all the way around. Incredible, immersive video. And then at the end of the video, bang, a loud noise went and all the sides dropped and you realised you were inside a much larger structure yep. standing at what is turned out to be the bar. Yep. And it was an incredible... But that comes from you guys. That doesn't come from the client. That comes from you thinking yeah, up so these incredible it's, things. Um, trying to... So- Reinterpreting space is something that um, I think we're particularly good at. So we will look at a space and try to use it differently. So that job you're referring to was a marquee. So we're controlling everything, which we love. Um, but equally, if we go to... It was also a two-floor marquee. Yeah, it was a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, it was in, it, I've never seen anything. Monster. Like, I monster. still haven't seen anything no, like it. Monster, mon- yeah. monster of a tent. Um, but if we go to Claridge's ballroom, which I'm sure many people have been to many... Yeah. What's, how can I look at the room differently? How can people walk into it and see it differently? And I don't mean that old trick of, you know, black carpet on the floor, black drapes around the walls, you know, just can we put the stage somewhere where it wouldn't traditionally normally be? Or can we change the table configurations just to try and change, mix things up slightly? Um, and I, I did that just this weekend um, at the Nobu. I had a client who wanted to they always had parties at home in a marquee yep. which we love doing and they were like let's try and do something different and i just knew from the beginning we're not using the same space that everybody used to use the same space so let's challenge the space let's try and do something different to try and give it just a bit of a different experience and a bit of a different tick um we're talking about different experience what? i was with you also this weekend yes and for a different experience uh the job that you planned this weekend was also at wembley arena which is like tingles I just a word couldn't like imagine that. Ever, if someone had said to me, "You're going to be doing a party at Wembley Arena," what could that look like? But one of the most incredible events I've seen in, really in, cool. in years. Um, but think, imagining out that space and what you had to bring in and the logistics. So of that. that was the the client's brief led us to find a particular kind of venue. So we needed access to make something happen. Um, and for size and scale. For size and scale. So yeah. it wasn't, we didn't need the space inside. We needed to get things into the space and that demanded... Um, Arctic lorries to be able yeah, to drive exactly. in. Yeah, exactly. We needed to get trucks inside the space. So that I think that shortlisted six venues in London that would work. Then there's what's available. Um, and then we got down into client preference and, and what we think, what we thought would work best. Um, but I love that. Dealing with scale is an amazing, is an amazing thing. Um I love a small, like really intimate party. I don't want to pack everyone into this 200 people in this room and let there be sweat dripping off the ceiling. But sometimes you get to play with huge amount of space yeah. and then how that flows and works is, is a, yeah. is a great challenge. What advice would you give Jamie on someone planning a party? What would be your sort of three top tips? So um, the one bit that we can't do is people in the room have the people that you love and love you in the room. That's, that's the most important thing. Um, try to keep your guest list as, as tight as is possible. And I say that when that goes completely against, you know, business because more people is, is yeah. more charged, but keep that down to the people that really, really care, love you and you love. Um, 
music and entertainment is massively, massively important. Um, so tune that right for your crowd. So I mentioned before, music of your, your, your use, music of your generation, songs that hark back to the time. So a 40th birthday party, um, you know, of my generation, garage music was the thing. So, you know, bring DJ EZ, bring DJ Luck, whatever it might be, because everyone's just going to go nuts because everyone wants to feel 16 again. It right? reminds them of that time in their youth. Um, yeah. And the third thing is, I don't know if I'm going to say, get everyone smashed. Right. Just get everyone smashed. And um, then 101 of parties, get everybody it's really, drunk. It's really, really easy. Yeah. Don't cheap it out on the bar. Yeah. If you love a particular vodka or tequila or gin, put it in abundance. Um and be generous, you know, yeah. your, um, yeah, be generous, you know, welcome your guests, your friends, your family into the space, make them feel wanted to want to be there, engage them, interact with them. And that they're the kind of the keys to the big party. Then what we do is we just put sprinkle and sprinkle and sprinkle and glitter and glitter and, you know, to make it more and more and more, but they're the core bits and they're not necessarily the bits that we can do and we can bring it's it's like in combination we'll create the space you know if you build it they will come yeah. we'll build it you make them come what do you think the future is for banana split what, what do you hope for so um fortunately julian has built an amazing amazing business um myself david um, and anthony were brought in as directors um few years ago and you know we're really trying to look at what does the business look like and, and how do we take it forward um there are many many opportunities in front of us what's really really important is we stay true to to who we are and what we do um and look there's yeah there's there's many different directions that we go do we go that way do we go that way um the most important thing is you know i'd like to look back in 50 years time when i'm coming to the end and say right I got this great, I got this great opportunity. And then this is where, this is where we've taken it. But ultimately it will always work if we have, if we deliver great parties yeah. where people smile and people have great memories. That's, Jamie, that's I, I, I just hope you're not working at 90. No, no, no. I want to be sitting at the corner of the bar on a beach somewhere. There you the go. The banana bar on a beach somewhere. I that's that's that. it. But yeah, as long as we love what we do, I think the rest of it will, will, will trickle itself down. Fantastic. Jamie, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank, Thank you, you so me. much for coming on. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Gav. I had another three pages of questions that we just don't have time for, so I'm going to invite you and Julian back for season three. Fab, I think we should round table. 100%. <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's episode of The Secret World of Events, please don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe, and do leave a comment or a question you'd like asked in future episodes. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Great to have you here. I had decided I wanted to get into events. Don't rush into anything. Left university and pretty much went straight into it. It's just got to happen. So do what you need to to make it happen. I've, I've never been one to follow rules. We've spent a lot of time together, haven't <laughs> yes, we? we have. Always keeping up with trends and fads. How do you manage that? The expectations versus the reality of budgeting. It's always insightful to get a gauge as to what their, their reference point is with budget. Pre-COVID, I didn't know what Zoom was. You know, everything is done to a higher level. That detail Jeremy and the band and the guys will go into, by definition, makes our life easier. There's levels and levels, and that comes in the detail.